0: Welcome back to VMP Anthology, the story of Ghostly International. I'm Vivian Host, and in this fourth and final episode, The Deep End, we're going beyond, into the aesthetics and curatorial ideas behind the final two albums in the Ghostly Box it series. I sit down with Ghostly Founder Sam Valenti and art manager Molly Smith to talk about Ghostly Swim 2, the second volume of their series with Adult Swim, as well as Thousands of Eyes in the Dark, a brand new compilation that you're the first ones to receive. Both of these releases represent a more considered and introspective sound for the label, but also an opening up, especially to newer artists. In fact, they're kind of a clue as to who you might see releasing full lengths on the label in the next year or two. Also in this episode, ghostly artists Dabri and Shigeto pop in to talk about making their tracks on these respective compilations. By now you will have received the first Ghostly Swim compilation, and here's its follow-up, Ghostly Swim 2. It's another collaboration with the forward-thinking TV network Adult Swim, and paints in a moodier and more melancholy palette than its predecessor. This compilation, initially released in late 2014 as a free download, contains a mix of future ghostly artists and one-offs from friends and favorites. Notably, it's the first ghostly appearance of New York-based hip-house producer Goucher who will release a full album on the label this year. His track, In The Place, is 100% Goucher, slow chugging nod to historically black house and techno, full of lush chords, bubbling drum machines, and of course, Goucher's sultry vocals. Ghostly Swim 2 is also the label debut of Mary Lattimore, an LA-based experimental harpist who is pushing her instrument to new and unexpected vistas and collaborating with the likes of Thurston Moore, Kurt Vile, and Ice Age. Elsewhere on Ghostly Swim 2, CFCF and Heathered Pearls tease out Steve Reich influences. Daoud and Ace Mo pair two-step garage skitter with deep purple ambience. And spectral artist Patricia drops sad boy techno grooves submerged in emotional weight and fuzz. Let's dive right in. Tell me a little bit about the relationship between these two compilations.
1: So Ghostly Swim 2, the intention was to do a a record that loosely defines this ambient. Maybe it's, a, it's 2014, right? Yeah, it's reactive to probably like the sort of noise war of like music. Um, it's also just our interest, you know? So it's the, um, where we are emotionally at the time. It's trying to reach further uh, Mary Lattimore got under my radar, I think through SoundCloud. I think I was listening to something and it popped on as like the next song through the algorithm or whatever and just being kind of struck by its immediacy. So became a fan of of her work and um, reached out and, you know, Gulture Work, somebody that we knew um, reached out. So it's another chance to sort of crystallize the roster at this time, but also reach out to new artists we like.
2: You know, the the free download came out right before Christmas 2014, but then the actual official release on our end was at the top of 2015.
1: Yeah, I remember thinking that because we knew it was going to come out around holiday time. So I remember that being kind of informative as to like its making. Just the idea of like reflection, kind of like away from the chaos. I think that's what the tracks inform. The, the rule of Guilty Swims is you can't appear more than once. It's a self-design rule, but it's the idea that you're forcing it to keep moving. The artwork is by Jacob Escobedo, who did Ghostly Swim 1. It's obviously a more direct hit. It's the Ghostly logo kind of almost like melting or mutating, which is kind of a nice metaphor. But yeah, it's just a quiet, beautiful record, I think. I think it's just a more like nuanced, elegant listen. It's meant to be a meditative like shot, which is... Probably a function of age, to be honest, and function of also of um, what we thought was needed. It's always kind of like an antidote to like what's going on. How do you fit new people into the family, you know? The compilations are kind of prophetic as to who's going to join the roster next. Like, we didn't sign Mary yet, I don't believe. It's just like, hey, just get, in, just get involved with the crew. And then that kind of begets the relationship. So, compilations historically have been really important points for the label. I think they've obviously lost favor because it's a, one's own playlist now is the compilation. So it's like, you don't really need a compilation. But I've always seen them as like group shows at a gallery. It's like a statement, it's intentional, it's a chance to reach out, it's a chance to tell a bigger story um, than just you know being faithful to one artist's vision. It allows us a little more curatorial control.
0: You mentioned that compilations and in particular Ghostly Swim 2 was an antidote to what was happening at the time for you personally internally at the label and with the releases. So what did lead up to you wanting to put together a more quiet and considered and reflective compilation?
1: I think for me the like subtext of the last few years have been like me working through depression and kind of like trying to I think we're like all music abusers, right? Like we all like use it as to lift our mood or whatever, or, or if we want to feel like shit, we can do that too. But it is medicinal, right? And it's like the best move. So like Ghost Swim 2, Thousands of Eyes were for me, like as far as putting together ways of feeling better as opposed to like an ex- exciting trip. It's like, let's reflect on the year and slow it down. And it's like, what do we need as people using the label as a communication vessel for that.
2: I think also internally at the label around that time, 2014, 2015, is when our release output was really picking up, and we had a lot of bigger albums. Like, Tycho's Awake came out during that time. Um, So we were focusing on a lot of career artists that we were really building with, like, future-proofing, and that's uh, a huge undertaking, but Ghostly Swim felt like a really different version of that. It's not a big promise to anyone, it was just a moment that we could then give to our audience at the time, and also kind of a snapshot of what's going on rather than a precedent to the next thing after it.
1: The sort of platonic idea of a record label is this, at least in the early days, was this like crew, right? And like Ghostly Swim, one is capturing sort of the growth, of the emer- but the sort of togetherness of that. And obviously, a record label's function changes. We're growing, so our role, in some ways, recedes. Like we would do a lot of sort of group tours at the beginning because no one else had gigs, so it was like you could go on tour or you could stay at home, but it wasn't like they had other options. Whereas now, you know, a Shaghetto needs full tilt management and growth, and that's the that's the label's job. But the Ghostly Swim series is a way to sort of re-engage from like a macro level. Like, here's how we put stuff together. To Molly's point, it is a return to label as curator.
2: of constantly evaluating what a label's real role in this world is you know we were all fans of the music and the musicians first so that's always our first priority and I think the fact is today you don't need a label to get your music out there you don't need a label to get your music distributed or pressed to vinyl you can do that all yourself but a label does still add context and the ghostly swim compilations are a great example of how we're able to still add that curation. Mindfulness. I think it's interesting how this compilation kind of was the harbinger of the chill, lo-fi, hip-hop beats to sleep and or study to kind of genre that's come out of like the YouTube playlists. now. This was like the original. You maybe don't want something completely background, but something with a little bit of drive to it. Um that just helps you get through your day. Almost as to what Sam was saying, like music is therapy. I think this is the first iteration of it with like a little bit more of a beat than what is to come. But um, yeah. I also
0: sort of see Ghostly Swim 2 as related to the entire Ghostly output in that you guys make a lot of different products as well and it's almost like there's like a ghostly lifestyle. I always like to imagine that there's one person on your staff that is drinking ghostly coffee beans out of a ghostly coffee mug um, wearing the hat and the shirt and then at home they have a ghostly art piece and in a sense this idea of music to chill to or music that you're listening to at work or something A compilation that's curated with those things in mind is also a lifestyle accompaniment. It's a thing that you might need in your day.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's a razor's edge, right? Because there's like, obviously, you could see that as like a negative, where it's like, oh, lifestyle design is this sort of like flat, you know, wallpaper magazine idea of like, if I just have this stuff, I'll be happy. So it's, I think there's two sides to that. There's the love of, Product, which is whether it's a piece of uh, vinyl and the beautiful sleeve or uh, the best charcoal toothbrush type thing that is sincere and that you're like, okay, we're going to find the co- the best Japanese socks because that's as good as the music and the things that we do, which is our intention. There's also a bit of play in it. It's like, obviously, the idea of a ghostly toothbrush has a wink in it, which is ties back to Boy Keppard and the name and everything. So the sort of slogan of Ghostly is of of art and artifice since 1999. So it isn't supposed to be totally taken 100% straight, but it also is supposed to be sincere. It's sincerely approaching these things, but also sometimes playing with it, the ideas of them as well.
0: You're tuned in to the VMP Anthology podcast on Ghostly International. And before we move on to talking about the new compilation, here's a little extra tidbit. Detroit's Shigetto, telling us about the making of his Ghostly Swim 2 track, Tide Pools.
3: Ah, Tide Pools. It was an interesting track for me because it was an interesting time. It was, it was during a long break. A time when I I think was not lost, but didn't have a, an identity that I resonated with, a musical identity. It was like, I was just so busy at the time, playing so many shows, but had not released any new music. It was in between No Better Time Than Now and The New Monday. And that was like a four year gap. And I remember Ghostly Swim 2 is like this thing that made me feel okay about being stagnant in my personal artistic development or stage, wherever I was at, you know? I was just excited to be on the second part of this comp that I loved the first one, and it was like this whole thing, and it was like, oh, great, now I get to be a part of this. And so it was like Tide Pools was this track that I had that it was kind of me, I don't know, just messing around and I think it was representative of what I was like listening to at the time maybe it's a lot of repetitive kind of ambient music and I was really into like the fortette stuff at the moment that was like counterpoint melodies and repetitive little like chopped up samples you know.
0: The final record you've received in your box set is Thousands of Eyes in the Dark, a 10-track compilation that isn't out yet, meaning you guys are getting the exclusive first listen. The record is full of lush and largely beatless ambient compositions and outer-limits sonic explorations from artists like Sarah Devachi, Space Africa, and Orcas. Here's Sam and Molly from Ghostly to walk us through its various textures and landscapes.
1: Thousands of Eyes in the Dark is a new compilation that almost sometimes verges outside of the realms of music and just kind of into sound. So it's the most expressive in some ways. It started life before we knew where there was going to be a box, but kind of nicely dovetails, A with our 20th anniversary and B with this box, which is the sort of story up to now. So it made sense for it to be concurrent and included. Um, it, it relies the least on existing roster kind of this like free experiment and it's just meant to be a sort of journey like straight through beautiful contemporary sound
0: how did you choose this name thousands of eyes in
1: the dark yeah like a lot of ghostly stuff it doesn't have a exact literal answer because obviously it's meant to be kind of expressed upon I like it because it's obviously like a nightclub it's obviously like a visual um it has a collective spirit, but it also has a sort of solemnity that I think is kind of beautiful.
2: Thousands of Eyes in the Dark is kind of, on the one hand, a very disturbing feeling. Like, it kind of recalls in today's world surveillance and internet culture and never truly being alone, being, you know, lacking privacy at all times. But on the other hand, a very warm, comforting feeling that there's always other presences around you um I think that's something in today's world people really respond to where there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of danger in the world there's also this feeling of uh just everyone kind of being in the same boat and being able to give comfort even in these very subtle um Poetic kind of ways, through art especially.
1: And the uh, art by Michael Chyna. One of the key elements is a photo I found at a vintage shop, and uh, it's a person with like a ladder uh, in front of sort of like an iceberg type type image. Is that how would you describe the the photo?
2: It seems like a like a mysterious cloaked mountaineer who is climbed up the slope of this very interesting looking, like snowy, ice natural sculpture.
1: There's a sense of, a, of summit. Like the person is, has arrived at a place, but yet the like the ladder invokes this idea that the work is like still there. So I don't know if that's exactly why we chose it. I think it just felt like maybe where the label was at and kind of this moment where it's like we've arrived at something, but Who knows what will happen next? Yeah, I was going through like a really wicked depressive cycle through the curating of this. So I think in some ways it's kind of like a solve for my own, how I wanted to feel. So I was like, like the best artists I think make the music they want to, that doesn't exist. Tad talks about this a lot. He just made music that wasn't being made. The artist had no idea of the making of the record. So I'm I'm not trying to put feelings on top of their music because it's their music but the intention was to make a record that was like gracious and beautiful and spacious and kind of like therapeutic in a non-prescriptive um, way it's not like this is music to swim to or to, it's just kind of like sound as sound and appreciating the texture of music
2: Thousands of Eyes is really just music to exist to, I think. It's not really meant for uh, accomplishing any task, but really just to, like, be in your human body hearing these sounds. Molly, the first time we talked
0: about it, you had a really great metaphor linking Ghostly Swim Volume 1 and 2 to Thousands of Eyes. Do you mind repeating it?
2: So... Ghostly Swim 1 is the extrovert of compilations. Um, Very friendly and maybe a bit more um, accessible to an audience. Ghostly Swim 2, I would say, is the introvert. Maybe just taking all of that energy, but tucking it a little bit inside. You need to spend some time with it to kind of get to know all the songs and where they fit in your life. And Thousands of Eyes is the ego death moment of laying on the floor, just letting it kind of wash over you.
0: Tell me a little bit more about the artists on this compilation, and in particular, some of the names that might be less familiar.
1: I've known Yosi Harukawa for years you know, I've always wanted to work with them on something. I met Grand River in Berlin, reached out because I liked the single she put out. You know, obviously some of the friends we've known forever. Suzanne Kraft, SKU, you know, I think is a genius. And just a chance to work with them is like super fun. So it doesn't, it wasn't, it's like you get the music and you get pieces of it and you're like, oh, okay, these, there's something arriving here. That's a feeling. And then, you know, Molly did a great job of working with Mike, China. he'll have a thing and they will do seven more versions of it, then come back to the thing and then it's a very like elastic process. So you're also allowing them to go on a a journey too. I mean, the photo is just this kind of like anchor and then it's just like spreading it out. So it's this process of like a label in flux and getting the audio and visual right. Super important because you're trying to capture the feeling of uh, idea as opposed to a record or an artist. It's just like, does this, does this cover emote the way the music does? on electronic music historically was like oh it's like dumb music for dancing or it's like vapid hotel lobby stuff right so it's how do you make music that is that has a lot of emotion maybe it it lacks a quote-unquote narrative but is still sincere and like you can it's not trying to be anything that's not i think that that's the the tension that kind of holds the smm Tradition, this is an SMM record, it doesn't say it is, but it, on the catalog number it is. But, um, yeah, I think it's like a self-consciousness. And the visual art as well, right? It's like, how do you not get sentimental, but be sincere? I think that's like the razor's edge that we we walk a lot, that I, I kind of enjoy. Because it feels good to get gushy and like lovey-dovey, but it's also like, you know being um sanctimonious or being saccharine is the line you don't want to cross and i think that if you can find that tension in movies or film or or film or art or painting or whatever that's like the best you know feeling
0: Before we get out of here, I have another special tidbit for you. Here is signature ghostly artist Dabry on Woman in the Dunes, his contribution to Thousands of Eyes in the Dark.
4: So, this was an ambient track that I did in one take in my studio uh, in Ypsilanti when I was living with Demarque Cantu. And it is um, mostly just an SH-101. And interesting thing about that synthesizer is that they can um, lose their relative tuning, meaning the low octave is not quite in pitch with the high octave. What happened was um, you sort of get this slightly queasy, sort of um, seasick feeling a little bit out of the melody. It's just like a, it's almost like having a microtonal scale in in, in a way. The vibe uh, is almost sensual, a little bit mysterious and calming and peaceful. And it really reminded me of this film called Woman in the Dunes, directed by Hiroshi Teshigahara, about a scientist that gets uh, trapped between dunes by the villagers. And he is um, stays with this woman, this widowed woman, who lives in that house. And the dunes are constantly caving in on, on the home. And there's something about this film, the way it's shot, the sand coming in through the ceiling, and the intimacy between the scientist and this woman that is just, like, really incredible. It's a beautiful movie. So this, this came to mind when I was making it. It relates to the more uh, ambient tracks by Charles Manier, and maybe some things on Pains, but it's very much more stripped down, much more minimalistic, and definitely more of an ambient track, more focused ambient track.
0: That brings us to the end. Not the end of Ghostly International, of course, but the end of this VMP Anthology podcast series season. Thanks so much for taking this ride with us and for tuning into this podcast. I hope that you all learned a bit more about the records that were released in this box set and that this was as fun to listen to as it was for me to make. I just wanted to thank all the ghostly artists involved for taking precious hours out of their day to talk to me And especially one to thank Sam Valenti and Molly Smith at Ghostly International for all their help, and of course the love and care that they've taken with all the label releases over the years. It's truly been a pleasure following the last 20 years of the label as a journalist and a listener and a party person and a friend. So happy birthday, Ghostly. And thanks also to Andrew Winnesorfer and Cameron Schaefer at VMP for the guidance. Look out for more great anthologies coming in the series soon. This season of VMP Anthology was produced and hosted by me, Vivian Host, and engineered by Ryan Woodhall. I'll see you on a dance floor somewhere soon.